listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. So as I was meditating on that this morning, that's the word I got in my spirit. If you don't like where you are, change it. You know, one of the things that we are tricked into believing often is that we, we simply have to just accept. We have to just accept life as it comes. We have to just accept the circumstances. Well, this is what the world's like. This is how life is. And uh, we have to be careful to remember that only faith and God's word should define our lives. Only faith and God's word should define our lives. Pastor Bill, love you guys. Merry Christmas. And so if you're allowing anything else to define your life other than faith and God's word, then as a Christian, you're missing out on God's best for your life. And so the key that we have to, I mean have to, make sure that we keep in front of our face all the time is this. Yes, it might be happening in the world. Yes, these things are going on. But am I going to let what antichrist people and an antichrist agenda is doing affect my Christian life? Am I going to allow that to define who I am, what I experience, or am I going to put my faith in God's word and make up my mind that I'm not, I'm not going to have what they have. I'm not to, going to experience what they're experiencing. And so uh, as I was meditating on this this morning, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you three things that will really help you today. As I was meditating on this this morning, um, the Lord had me really looking at 2 Kings chapter 4, a story that I'm sure you know very well. And I saw it from this, this standpoint today. And we have this wealthy woman who lives in Shunem. And the Bible teaches us that uh, when Elisha the prophet would pass through her town, he would always stop in to her and her husband's house because she would provide a meal for him. She would let him come in there and stay and rest and eat. And uh, so he would always stop in if he was passing through. And then, of course, you know the story. She says to her husband, we should build an apartment, you know, an addition to our home for him to let him stay there. Whenever he comes by, he'll have his own place to stay. And he was so moved by her generosity and by her seed that he asked his servant, what should we do? What can we do for the woman? And uh, he said, well, she's already wealthy. She already has a good report with, you know, uh, the government because she's an influential person. But one thing she can't do is she cannot have children. And so the prophet spoke and said, by this time next year, you will have that child. She said, don't get my hopes up. He said, I'm not, this is, this is a word from the Lord. It came to pass for her. And as it came to pass for her, the Bible says when the child got older, he was working in the fields and he cried out my head and collapsed and died, collapsed and died. And then interestingly, this is where I wanted to begin because 
There are things that take place. You can see things that happen in your nation. I got people that are writing us uh, and what I'm talking to people like uh, this morning, it really encouraged my faith. Uh, I was talking to someone from Australia and she said, you know, we're watching your preaching and teaching over here. It's really encouraging. It's really encouraging our faith. We, we love the ministry. Uh, in the midst of lockdowns, in the midst of all that's going on, she said, we, we keep the preaching on, we keep the broadcast on, we keep the teaching on, and it's, it's stirring us up. It, it, it encourages our faith. You are many times touching people you don't even know you're reaching. And so in the midst of all this, we start to realize there are things happening in the world. You look at what's going on in Australia, it's insane. And we were talking about that this morning. It's insane to see uh, what's going on. And it's crazy because with the media narrative, uh, she told me this morning, there's people here in Australia that don't even believe it's happening. I mean, think about that. They've got uh, camps where they're carting people away to camps. And now they're saying, she's saying that they're getting ready to expand to the aboriginals, the aboriginal people, uh, and, and start to do the same to them. And there's people in Australia that don't even believe it's happening. They don't even believe it's true. We see reports of it here in our country. They don't even believe it's happening. And yes, there are things going on, but just because there are factual things happening in the world, does that mean that we're then going to just accept those circumstances? Or are we able to make moves by faith and the word of God that will redefine our personal reality? And the answer is yes, we can take steps, actions of faith that will redefine our personal reality. And that's what I want to deal with. So did this woman in second Kings, she didn't just accept the fact, well, you know, the prophet said I'd have a son. I did. Then he died. I guess it wasn't to be forever. No, she didn't even accept. Now think about the finality of death and she didn't even accept his death. She didn't accept that. So she takes his body and she moves it into the prophet's quarters of her home and puts her son on the prophet's bed. And then the Bible says, and she goes to go find the prophet. She goes to pursue the anointing. So let me give you these three things. Then we're going to break them down because this is going to help you immensely. And as we're moving in, to this new year. And I've told you, we've got our faith set for divine possession. We've got our faith set for the wonders of God to see supernatural things happen. Three things I want to show you because you might be watching this right now or listening to it on the podcast. And you're thinking that's me. What you're describing is me. I am frustrated with where I'm at in life. I'm frustrated with what I'm experiencing. I'm frustrated with how I'm living all these things. Well, let me encourage you with something. You don't have to remain where you are right now. You don't have to remain where you are right now. You can uh, move into God's best for your life through faith and his word. So let me give you these three things. And then we're going to go through them one by one. And I want to show you uh, about them from the word. So number one, the first thing is that you have to make a conscious choice to reject where you currently are. I reject it. I reject this reality. I reject the message I'm receiving from culture, from the society, from the government. I reject that truth. You say, well, that's truth. 
No, it's only truth to them because they don't have a higher truth. That's why it's truth to them. To you, it's just facts, but facts can change. And so my first step is I've got to reject where I am. I've got to reject what's going on. Here, here's the deal. If you don't reject it, think about how powerful this is. If you don't reject it, you will accept it. There is no neutral Just the same way I said that you're either moving forward or you're moving backward. This is the same. Anything you don't reject, you will accept. You will accept. Uh, Let me me say it to you this way. And I've I've used this when it comes to seeing your kids grow up in a different kind of truth. Anything that, okay, what one generation tolerates, the next generation will celebrate. What one generation tolerates, the next generation will celebrate. So I've told people for years, like as we teach on these kinds of things, you know, if you don't want your kids to be drinkers, then you don't have drinks. You don't keep alcohol in the house. Because if you tolerate that, they will then celebrate it. Well, I remember mom and dad used to drink and you know, it's not that big of a deal. You know, they'd get tipsy every now and then. If you don't want your children to do it, don't have anything to do with it. What you tolerate, they'll celebrate. The same thing is true here. And it it is that if I don't reject a thing, then by default, I'm accepting a thing, right? If I don't reject an ideology, if I don't reject a system, if I don't reject a thought process, you know, whatever it is, a, a cultural habit, if I, all of these things, if I don't reject them hardcore, make a point to stand against them, by default, I'm accepting them. I mean, think about how final this, her case was, and this is probably as, as serious as it gets. If I, if she didn't reject her son dying, he's remaining dead, right? It's by default, he'll stay that way. If you don't reject a terrible marriage, your marriage will remain terrible, right? If you don't reject having that, I refuse to have a terrible marriage. I reject no peace in my home. I reject no joy. I'm not, I'm not taking that. It's not going to be my story. If you don't reject it by default, it will be your reality. That's just how it works. There is no neutral. You'll either have that negative thing or you can actively stand against it. And so this has to be step number one has to be step number one, because I'm not just unhappy with the way things are going in the world. I reject those things. I reject those things. It's not that I'm just unhappy with, with what's floating through society. You've heard our confession. That will not be my story in Jesus' name. Yes, depression's on the rise. Yes, anxiety's on the rise. It is the number one prescribed medication for people 18 to 44 in the United States of America. And I think it's just gone out to be the flat out number one prescribed medication, period surpassing heart medication. Yes, it's on the rise. Yes, more people than ever are depressed. Yes, more than more people than ever are anxious and suicidal, but that will never be our story in Jesus name. I reject depression. I reject anxiety. I reject suicidal thoughts. You understand? I reject sickness in my body. I reject financial poverty. I reject relationships that don't work. 
I reject it. I stand actively against it. And that's where we have to be with number one is because if you are okay with it, I've taught this too, and you've, you've probably heard me deal with it, that anything that, that doesn't irritate or anger you, you have no motivation to change. Anything that doesn't irritate or anger you, you've got no motivation to change. You know, that's why some of us cannot put on nice, soft music as our alarm tone in the morning on the phone. We would not stir. We would, we would not stir. There's some of us that need the, some of us need that just to be, just to come out of the, the sleep coma that we're in. My daughter is like that. Madeline, she'll sleep through the, I mean, I don't know what we're going to have to do because she sets her own alarm with that sound. And I'll be downstairs in the morning, and so will Carolyn, we'll be drinking our coffee, and there's her alarm starts going off upstairs in a closed room in her, by her bed, and that thing is blaring. And she, that thing will go off for 10 minutes, and she doesn't wake up to turn it off. It's like, what do you hear? <laughs> what would wake you up? But notice, some people have to, they've, been, they've given people instructions and in some, uh, you know, how do I make sure I get up and whatever. And they say, one of the things you can do to make sure you don't hit the snooze button 17 times is put your phone on the other side of the room. So you actually have to get out of bed, walk across the room to go turn the alarm off. What does it do? It makes you take action, makes you take action. And so one of the things that we have to realize is until it annoys us enough, until it angers us enough, we won't take steps to change these things. That's, that's what we have to see is that if, if we're okay with being depressed, if we're okay with being fearful all the time, if we're okay with a crappy marriage, if we're okay with, you know, a little bit of sickness here and there, you know, that's just how life is. Your body gets sick. If you're okay with those things, you'll have them. You'll have them. You'll live that way constantly over and over. And this message, I know you, you, you talk like this. This isn't for everybody. I'm sure there would be people that would log on here. If, if, if YouTube and Facebook ha- hadn't gotten so good, uh, at, at putting an algorithm together that only showed your content to the people they really know want to see it. Cause back when we first started, I got all kinds of haters. Now we get one that slips through the cracks every now and then, but People of the world don't understand this. They think I'm such a fool for talking this way. Like, well, that's very insensitive and very uneducated of you to talk about depression that way and to talk about sickness that way and to talk about anxiety that way. You don't know what you're talking about and people can't just flip a switch and change. And they don't understand. They don't get what I'm talking about. They don't understand the spiritual aspect of Christianity. They don't understand it. They don't understand it. And so... Uh, I'm not talking to them, I'm not addressing them today. I'm addressing those of you that understand the spiritual dynamic of Christianity, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. You understand? Uh, s- s- rulers in darkness, pl- darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. That's who we're wrestling against. That's who we're wrestling against. So I want you to understand that when these things that contradict the reality God wants you to experience, when they come at you, then you reject them, but 
not just to say, well, I don't, but you reject them actively. You take steps against them. That's right. Pastor Bill said, you got to get fed up enough to take action. And that's right. You got to hate that situation. You know, I can't remember. I always forget who, who made this quote and Tiffany, I don't know if you ever did find it online, but there was a very famous, I can't remember if it was Charles Spurgeon or who, who it was, uh, DL Moody, but one of them said, before you can get people saved, you've got to get them lost. Before you can get them saved, you've got to get them lost. Why is that? Because the average person thinks they're okay. They think their life is okay. They think everything they got going on is okay. When in reality, it doesn't matter how nice and personable you are. It doesn't matter how many old ladies groceries you carry across the street. It doesn't matter how many doors you hold open for people and how chivalrous you are. None of that matters. If you're dead in trespasses and in sins, because in that case, you're on your way toward eternal destruction. And, and until people, and what this preacher was saying when he was making this uh, quote was until people recognize that they are in trouble. It was DL Moody. DL Moody said that until people recognize that they are like dead, they are in, uh, living under a curse. They are on their way towards eternal separation from God. They're in deep trouble. They need help until people realize that they don't see their need for a savior until they recognize that they're not okay. Things aren't going to be all right. You're in trouble if you don't have Jesus until people recognize that. So he said, well, now we know it was DL Moody. Thank you, Tiff. DL Moody was saying, but as you're preaching to people like that, you've got to get them lost before you can get them saved. Because until they can see in their own eyes and understand in their own mind, without Jesus, I've got nothing. And Erica, she, she asks a great question. How do you build up hate? And what she's talking about for anybody that might be visiting is she means a hate for the things that destroy lives. I hate for the things that destroy relationships and destroy minds and destroy physical bodies. How do you build up a hate for those things? And it's an excellent question. And let's talk about it for a minute because it is what we have to do, right? That's what I'm teaching until you hate it, until you see, you won't fully reject it and stand against it until you can't stand it. And the, I think there's a few things that we need to talk about when it comes to building that, those feelings up. Number one is sinking yourself with the heart of God. I think that always has to be first, Erica, is that you have to sink your heart with God's heart so that you begin to hate the things he hates. You begin to reject the things he rejects, that you don't call evil good and you don't call good evil as the reprobate church does in the last days, the Bible says. He said there'll be people that will call good evil and call evil good. That's never gonna be my... Uh, uh, mindset about these things. And so you have to synchronize your heart with the heart of God, number one, and understand what angers him, understand what he sent Jesus to accomplish. But then once you've synchronized your heart through prayer and through the reading of the word and uh, sometimes fasting and just being in his presence, one of the things that you have to do on top of that, take a look at the results of what these things produce in the lives of those that experience them. Look, look at what happens. 
when somebody is fine having a crap marriage and as a result, what does it lead to? It leads to divorce. And then, and then what happens now, now look at the children, the children are affected because now they don't have both parents in the home and the, and the children, uh, start to grow up with a different mindset and starting to think differently. And what, what if it, what if it leads to a, a husband running away and never coming back again, never having any connection with the family again. And now you've got kids that grow up hearing a mom talk about men are no good. And you know, men are dogs and, and it's a destruction of what God created. What do you do when it comes to uh, depression and anxiety? Look at, look at what that produces on the other side. If it doesn't produce somebody being addicted to prescription medications, then it leads to somebody that I've seen many times, you know, cutting themselves, abusing themselves. Some people so suicidal, they end up killing themselves because they never got free from that. And so look at that. Look at what those things produce in the life of a man or woman. And then when you realize what they produce on those whom God loves, it's destroying those whom God loves. Look at sickness. Look at the end result, which is death. If you've ever seen somebody wasting away because of cancer, if you've ever seen somebody being destroyed because of a sickness or a disease, and you start to realize, I'm not allowing even the beginnings of sickness to enter into my body. I'm standing against it because I know what it produces. The devil, he wants to steal from us, wants to kill us, wants to destroy us. And see, Christ came that you could have life and have it more abundantly. And I want you to understand that when you recognize that these things that are being sent against God's people produce destruction in every area of their life, you begin to build up a hatred for what the devil is doing to our generation, what he's doing to our children and our families and our husbands and wives and what you see it producing. It should build a hate for the kingdom of darkness. It should build a hate for everything they try to launch against God's people. And then what happens? It it puts you in a place where not only am I synced up with God's heart, I know what saddens him, what angers him, but it also lets me see why it, it angers him is, is what it does to the people of God, what it does to the addict, what it does to the depressed, what it does to the sick and infirmed, what it does to those broken in marriage, what it does to the children that are, and you start to see it and you realize why it's so destructive to just allow yourself to coast through life and say, well, you know, that's, that's how life is in 2021 and 2022. You know, these things are just happening and you got to real, you got to realize that's just, you know, sometimes life will deal you that kind of a hand. Oh, really? See, because the devil will try to attack. No question about that. The Bible says that the enemy uh, is always seeking to destroy. No question. And the enemy, when he comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. So it's scriptural to be attacked, but it's not scriptural to be defeated. And you can write that down. You can put it in the comments. It's scriptural to be attacked, but it is not scriptural to be defeated. We refuse to be defeated. We refuse it. And so number one of what I'm dealing with today, if you don't like where you are, change it. You won't change it until you get disgusted with it. 
You won't change it until you get disgusted with it. You got to get disgusted with it. Lori, we're so happy you're on in Iowa. Got to get disgusted with what the devil's dishing out in this generation. After you do that, the second thing is this. The second thing you've got to recognize is what she did in this, uh, in this passage. She didn't just reject it. She pursued the anointing. And I think that that is so powerful to even just recognize there's got to be an active pursuit of the anointing. <laughs> I mean, I'm blown away by Christians that don't pursue the anointing at all in any measure. They go to church once a week, maybe. And that's, that's where it ends. They barely read the Bible. They don't pray. They don't pray in tongues. They don't fast. They don't uh, uh, praise God on a daily basis. They don't worship him. They just go about, they go on with their life after Sunday, just like they're not even a Christian, right? And so this woman pursued the anointing. She placed her son in the prophet's chamber in the prophet. And then what did she do? And then she went to find him. She went to, and her religious husband couldn't understand why she would go do that. Why are you going to find the prophet? It's not the new moon nor the Sabbath. You know what he was saying? It's not Christmas or Easter. Why are you going to church? That's exactly the mindset. It's not Christmas or Easter. Why would you go to church? And she went anyway. Nobody understood her. They didn't understand why she would do it, but she knew why I'm not living with this. I reject this. This was my promise. This boy was my promise. You could say the same thing. Health is my promise. Joy and peace are my promise. Blessing is my promise. Great relationship with my husband and my wife. That's my promise. He's supposed to love me like Christ loved the church. I'm supposed to submit to him in love. We're supposed to have a productive and a happy and a joy-filled marriage. That's my promise. People don't understand it, that you reject this culture and you reject this anti-Christ junk that's going on, but you have to just keep it internal. That's my promise. I'm not letting go of that. And that was her promise. Her son was her promise. She put him in that room and then she went looking for the prophet, Though, though even her husband didn't get it. Why are you going to, and she didn't have any, she didn't let any of that stop her from pursuing the anointing. And here's the deal. Why do some people wait until they're in a crisis before they start pressing into the anointing? Did you ever notice that? Throw a hand up in the comments if you've ever noticed that. That people wait a lot of times until their life is in a mess before they pursue the anointing. How come they only start praying when stuff turns sour? How come they only start fasting and praising God at church? Like you haven't seen them in church in seven months. And then something happens in their family. Somebody gets laid off. Somebody, you know, whatever. Somebody gets diagnosed with something. All of a sudden they're back on the front row, praising God and lifting their hands and shouting and praising and singing and giving and time. It's like, why did you wait? Why did you wait until there was a crisis to press into the anointing? Why did you wait? That's not what the woman did. Notice she was entertaining the anointing in her home far before there was a child or a problem. She was already pursuing the anointing of God by uh, blessing the prophet of God. But that's not, we can't wait and say, well, you know, I'm just going to coast until there's a problem. No, 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 no. 
You ever think about what would happen? What would happen in our lives if we acted the way some people do when there's a crisis? If we made that our common action daily, if we did every day, we praised that way. Every day we prayed that way. Every day we studied that way. Every Sunday we attended church that way and we, we pressed in and gave that way and tithed that way. What if we did it every day? What would our lives look like? What would our marriages look like? What would our children look like? What would our bodies look like? What would our minds look like if we just pressed in like that every day? See, and that's the key. Pursue the anointing. Pursue the anointing. Because that's where it's at. Everything, now, I would like you to write this down and I want you to put it in the comments. Everything I need is in the anointing. Everything I need is in the anointing of God. Everything. Mary Beth said she, she gets asked all the time, how come you always go into those revival services with my dad or with my service? They just don't get it. They don't understand that they're pursuing. They're getting a touch from God. They're believing for miracles. Everything I need is in the anointing of God. Everything. Everything. Doesn't matter what it is. Do you need peace? It's in the anointing. Do you need joy? It's in the anointing. Do you need healing? It's in the anointing. Do you need prosperity and abundance and provision? It's in the anointing. Do you need uh, relational uh, restoration? It's in the anointing. Everything you need is in the anointing of God. It is the answer for what you're dealing with. It is the answer for what you're going through. So we pursue it. We pursue it, not as a last resort, as a first step. As a first step. Don't let the anointing, don't let the power of God be your last resort. You ever heard people say this? This always cracks me up. Here's one. Um, well, I guess all that's left to do now is pray. You ever heard people say that? I guess all we can do now is pray. Like it's the last thing on the list. Oh, well, last thing we can do now is just pray and believe God. No, it should have been the first thing you did. The first thing we do is pray. I don't... <laughs> I would never put my faith in men before prayer. I don't put my faith in men over God. The Bible says that brings a curse. That brings a curse. Cursed is the man who puts his trust in the arm of flesh and in doing so turns his back upon God. Jeremiah 17, 5. I would never put my trust in men. They can't help me like God can help me. They can't do what the Holy Ghost can do in my life. So I reject the situation, yes, but two, I pursue the anointing. Because that's where, that's, that is the, the account that holds all of the resource I need. Everything I need. Everything I need. Well, the average person though has, you know, and I, I could include myself in this. The average person in their flesh oftentimes lacks the motivation to always do what's necessary. And so this brings us to number three. Yes, we've rejected that way of living. We've rejected the thought process. Yes, we've pursued the anointing. But I want to give you number three because this will make sure that it's continual in your life. It doesn't, it's not like a fad. Because I see people do, do that. It becomes a fad. It's like a, it's a limited time thing. 
You see this a lot of time on Netflix, now these new streaming services. It's a limited series. It's just something very short, boom, it's done. That's how people are sometimes when they pursue God. It's a limited series. <laughs> they're just a short period of time until they get what they need and they're back out doing the same thing again. I remember there was a story of Brother Shambach when, if you don't know who he was, powerful tent revivalist, a man of God, hold, held many crusades around America, so many saved and healed through his ministry. Someone came and they were, they'd been crippled by, I think, an accident. And he said, wait, you want God to heal? Yeah, Brother Shambach, pray, I want God to heal me. He said, what are you going to do when God heals you? Oh, I want him to heal my crippled condition so I can get back dancing in the clubs again. He said, I ain't praying for you. <laughs> what? Yeah, I'm not praying for you that God would heal you so you can go back in those clubs and start dancing to secular music and getting involved and hooking up with people. I'm not praying for you to get that so you can go do that. See, and that's, that was the key. That was, the, that understanding was the key. I'm not going to believe God so that you can have a miracle so you can go back to doing the same stuff you did before. And people have, it's a limited series. They get, they search and they seek out God for a short period of time. They need their breakthrough. And then when they get their breakthrough, they go back to doing what they did before. That's a waste of time, total waste of time. So number three, this keeps us in place. And I like this because now what did she do? She set herself up in a system that no matter, she, she had, put this phrase, this will help you right here. Put this phrase in the comments, predetermined response, predetermined response, predetermined response. That's what she did. She created a predetermined response. How are you? How's it going with you and the boy? It is well. How's it going with your husband? It is well. How's it going with your son? It is well. How's it going with you? It is well. It's a predetermined response. You know what that is? A system. A predetermined response is a system that you know, all right, anytime I get any question, this is what's going out. That's a system. Set up already. You don't have to think about it. It's a system. It's automated. She doesn't have to uh, come up with a response. Well, let me think. How is it going with me? Uh, well, my son's dead. My husband doesn't understand why I'm pressing into the anointing. Uh, no, she didn't have to think about any of it. Predetermined response. She created a system. When I'm asked about how I'm doing, response. When I'm asked how my son's doing, response. When I'm asked what my husband's doing, response. It's a system. It, you got to put systems in place. You got to put systems in place. And let me tell you, this is where I, I know many people begin to fail because <laughs> Mary Beth remembers the song that, that, that was our predetermined response when we were at the victory tribe homecoming weekend. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be glad. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be glad. How's it going? Did you hear what's going on? Did you hear what's going on in the world? Yeah. I'm going to rejoice. What are we going to do? I don't know what we're going to do. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be glad. That's, that's my predetermined response. Gonna rejoice, I'm gonna be glad. <laughs> Hallelujah. And that's what is a predetermined response? It's only a system. What systems do you have in place? See, you start to ask yourself, well, how do I keep myself pursuing the anointing day after day after day after day? Because it's one thing to have a passion to do it at the beginning of the year, like we're getting ready to hit. And everybody's all excited because you're on a 21 day fast and everybody's like pressing into the anointing and it's so awesome. But what do you do on day 25? 
when you're four days off the fast and you're feasting again and your flesh is getting strong again, what are you doing then? Do you have a way to keep yourself in the anointing of God? Do you have a system? Do you have a system? Do you have a predetermined path that you say, you know what? I'm going to make up my mind that this is what I do every day. This is my system. Do you have, let me say, do you have a system? Bethany makes a great point. Um, She said, that's where those scriptural declarations come in handy, weapons at the ready. And that's true. So what are you going to do when you get to the place where, uh, and I, I say create these systems for everything. What do you do when you've got relationships that are, uh, ones that try to come at you, even if you haven't seen them in a while and they come to try to rekindle a relationship with you, that you knew them from high school, you knew them from college, but they're not serving the Lord. They don't have any desire to serve the Lord. And so what are you going to do? Let people drag you backwards? Or do you have a system in place that rejects relationships that will try to drag you into the things that are displeasing to God? Set up a system. Hey, this, this message will be available later on for those asking. This is on YouTube. You'll be able to find it on this YouTube channel and also on our podcast, which is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere. Just search my name. And so, yes. And see that you set yourself a system. Um, what do you do to make sure you're going to read the word of God every day? Set yourself a system. It happens at the same time every day. I read this and knowing ahead of time helps you. That's why we create a Bible reading plan. I have it on my calendar, on my, on my phone. All I have to do is open up my calendar for the day and I never have to think, what do I read in the Bible today? It's already pre-planned for me in my calendar every month. So I know no matter what day of the month it is, I've got a reading plan available to me by just opening my calendar. And I can see it right there on the, on the calendar. You do it the same time every day, in the same place every day, and you sit there and you, you know what to read. So it takes all the, all the hindrance All the resistance is moved out of the way because you've set up a system. So you just know, I'm going to wake up at this time. I grab my Bible. I already know what I'm reading. I've already got it set aside. I know how long I'm going to read. I know what I'm going to read. So watch this now. When you create a system, a predetermined action, a predetermined response, right? It takes a lot of the resistance away from achieving these goals because any piece of resistance along the way that's there still is another thing that could keep you from completing that task. It's another thing. You say, well, I don't know when I'm going to read the Bible today. Well, that's another thing that's going to keep you from completing that task. I just don't know what I'm going to read today. It's another thing that's going to keep you from completing that task. I don't know how long, I don't know where in the schedule I'm going to fit it. It's another element that's going to keep you from completing the task. I don't know what I'm going to pray. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to pray about. That's where the prayer points come in. That's where the scriptures that are next to the prayer points come in so that you don't ever have to think. See, one, one of the things I've learned about the prayer points is that they're not a religious book of prayer, you know, like prayer rituals. Really, I use them as lighter fluid. That's, that's, that's exactly how I, I use the prayer points is that I'll start with the prayer points, but I'll feel the anointing hit me after about five, six, seven of them. And then I'll just, I'm off in the spirit praying about stuff God's leading me to pray for now. And so I've used them to kickstart my prayer time so that I'm not, I'm not sitting there just reading through the prayer point list, you know, in my religious moments of prayer, I'll start praying on them so that I 
have something from the beginning. You know, I was reading, I'm trying to remember who it was that I, I read this about, but I was reading about how to be a more um, productive writer. And one of the things that um, I read was, you don't ever start on a blank page. You don't ever start with nothing. Great writers start with an abundance. What, what does that mean to start with an abundance? Well, if you know what you're going to be writing about in the future, anything you, anytime you come across something, whether, whether it be online, in an article, you hear someone talk about it, you read it in a book, whatever, you log those things and you keep them set aside so that when you begin to write, now I've got all this content that I've already come across that I'm going to bring into my writing. I'm not starting with nothing. I'm starting with an abundance. That's what the prayer points do. You're not starting from nothing like, here I go again, got to pray today. What do I pray about? What do I say? No, just kickstart with some lighter fluid, some prayer points and get yourself moving and then take off from there. Same with the Bible study. It's like, It's not like you have to religiously stick to that Bible reading plan, but if you're sitting around thinking, well, wonder what I'm going to read today, pull out your plan that's on your phone already and start in at the same time, each day, same place and know it. It's a system. Anytime you remove hindrances from that task, it, it, it just that much more ensures you'll complete the task easier. And so it's the same. They tell people to do that with their workouts you know, which I've only heard, I don't personally work out myself, but I've heard other people say that, you know, set your workout clothes out the night before you have to wake up, set your running shoes out the night before, make sure that you're, uh, if you're going to the gym, that you have a little, your gym bag that you instead of having a packet and make sure you put your, uh, make your smoothie the night before. So all you got to do is pull it out of the refrigerator, throw it in your bag and you're on the way. All of the things that you don't feel like doing in the morning that would actually keep you from doing that thing you plan to do. Well, I don't want to get up and make my smoothie. I don't want to do all that. I want to go find clothes to work out. Where's my shoes? I don't know where my shoes are at. You know, all those things. You're removing every roadblock that would stop you from accomplishing that purpose. You see that? Bethany Hooker said, we've even started our kids on that routine. They get up and read their Bibles before breakfast, eight and six years old. Exactly. Exactly right. <laughs> I think a lot of people could say that. He calls me friend. My phone is a hindrance. I think a lot of people could say that. A lot of people could say that. So I always encourage people when you're reading, you're taking these systems and moving them forward. You start to realize, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't read the Bible on my phone because I'm tempted to swipe away to some notification. I'm tempted to go check something. I'm tempted. Maybe I shouldn't do my Bible reading on my phone. Maybe I should do my Bible reading on my Bible and put my phone on do not disturb. Exactly, Bethany. And and, and just each one of these things that you move out of your way ensures you're going to complete that goal. So I'm not just going to hope I overcome in life. I'm going to set up systems that ensure I overcome in life, that ensure it, you know. So it's really, I'm going to make up my mind. See, because that's what they always tell people with like, um, you know, people that are real serious. I, I, I went through a period where I was looking at, looking at this because it was very interesting to me. People that are really serious about weight gain when they're lifting weights and want to build up to bulk and then cut themselves up and they have to stay shredded and all this stuff. And people are like, how do they look like that? Well, they're very, very, very specific about what they put in their body. 
But you know, it's like you can't put that stuff in your body on a daily basis randomly. You're not going to randomly have the time each and every day to prepare the perfect workout meal and all that. So you know what those people all do? They all do it ahead of time. They all do, uh, you know, whether it be Sunday, this is my meal planning day and this is my, I cook all my meat for the week. I do all that stuff. Everything's in Tupperware. Everything's portioned out. Everything's ready to go. And, and those that are disciplined that do that, they remove the resistance that they would face about like, oh, well, I didn't have a meal plan for today. So I went to McDonald's and I broke the whole thing. They plan it out and they have it all done. It's all cooked. It's all portioned. It's all Tupperware. What are they doing? All they're doing is the same thing I'm teaching you right now. They're removing every hindrance that would be in their way to accomplishing their goal. And that's exactly what we've got to do in the spirit is that anything you can see we've now look, we've already rejected the thought process of this world system. We've already rejected. We already have grown to hate the things that the devil's throwing at us. We've already moved that out of the way. We've got that done. We're already synced up with the heart of God. We already know what he hates. We already understand what makes him upset. We already know those things. We got that. We're good with that, right? We're good with that. We already know we got to pursue the anointing and we, we know what it takes to pursue the anointing and it's easy in times of passion. It's also easy in times of crisis. Pursue. I need to pursue. I'm excited to pursue. I've got to pursue. Whichever one you are, I'm excited to pursue. Or, man, everything's going wrong. I need to pursue God. Whether, whichever one it is, you're pursuing, it won't, the honeymoon phase of that is not going to last for the rest of your life. Newsflash, you've got your flesh to deal with. You've got your flesh to deal with. And so what do you do? You set up systems that say, you know what? It has nothing to do with whether I'm excited about it or not. This is what I do. This is what I do. Reading the word daily is what I do. Praying daily is what I do. Speaking in tongues whenever I have time is what I do. Filling myself with the word of God from a broadcast like this or from Miracle Word Radio or whatever it might be, instead of listening to a morning show on the way to work is what I do, right? And so you start to determine these things. This is how my life functions. This is, this is just who I am. You've got to make it your identity. This is who I am. This is what I do. And then people start to wonder, how do you, how are you always, how are you always so joyful? Then you'll start having questions like that. How come you're always so happy? How come you're always so, you got so much peace all the time. I understand why you're not freaking out about what's going on in the world. What do you not even know what's happening? Oh, I know what's happening. I know everything that's going on. I understand why you always seem like you got so much energy. How come you're so strong? People don't understand it and they'll start to ask you about it. And it's not because you're different or random in that way. Like, you know, it's like, well, God just seemed to open up the windows of heaven over my house. I have no idea why. No, I know why we've set systems. We've set systems to say, this is who I am. This is what, that's what you do, but this is what I do. You know, when I say, right, that there's a distinction between the wicked and the righteous, we know why there's a distinction of the two. There's a covenant difference. I have a covenant with Christ. You don't. My life should look different. But then here's where it gets really weird and cloudy. How come there's a difference between some Christians and other Christians? Why, why are we seeing that difference? We should see a difference between the wicked and the righteous, but how come we're seeing a, a stark difference between some Christians and other Christians? You know what the answer is? Systems of dedication. 
That's the only answer. You should look different than sinners, but why do you look different than some Christians? How come you got some Christians walking around with their jaw, with their mouth hung low and they always got a word of discouragement and I just keep me in prayer. You know, the devil's really been attacking me. Oh, just pray for my family. And then you get others that you see, they feel like they're on cloud nine all the time. They're walking around ready to lay hands on the sick. They've got a smile on their face. They're not on antidepressant medication and they're not struggling and they're not a prayer uh, project. They're actually praying for other people. What in the world is separating these people? Does God love them more than the other ones that are struggling all the time? No, God doesn't love them more. But look, you know what I wish we could do so that we could have like a real comparison because it's easy to fake whether or not you're being dedicated to God. Easy to fake. But you know what I wish? I wish we could have a side-by-side, privacy-free comparison of the the lives of those who struggle versus those that are walking in overwhelming victory. And they say, well, yeah, well, you know what? We both love the Lord. Okay, but let me see what you're doing in your free time. Let me see. Okay, I see when the dedicated person is reading the word and pressing into the word. When are you doing that? I see when the dedicated person's praying for an hour a day, half hour a day, praying in tongues. When are you doing that? I'd love to see as the days flow by. I even believe that about preachers, pastors, evangelists, because I've been around some of them and I'm like, bro, I, you know, I know, and I'm not saying this in a prideful way. I just want you to hear me. I've been around some of them and I'm like, you don't carry any kind of urgency, anointing, strength nothing on your ministry or life. And that's sad. I don't want to see that, but I see it. I see it. And it's not because I'm trying to be critical. It's just like at some point you sit back and think to yourself, like, how is it possible that I listen to this person speak and they say all the right things? They they've got all the right scriptures. They preach the right doctrine, the right message, but there's no power on it. There's no anointing on it. There's not. And you're sitting there thinking to yourself, like, what is the deal? It's the dedication. It's what's behind the scenes. What are they doing throughout their day? What are they doing throughout their life? That's what it is. Has nothing to do with what's coming out of their mouth. It has to do with what's going on in their private life. Are they pressing in? Right? I remember hearing a a story about this uh, African uh, evangelist. And uh, I think it was Kofi. Kofi was telling me about this. And evangelist Kofi said that this, this preacher... Uh, demons were coming and manifesting in his meetings. And uh, this African preacher would just kind of walk over to where the demon possessed were per- person was manifesting. And he wouldn't go over there and start shotgun. He wasn't like warfare praying or warfare command. He said he would just walk over to where the people would fall out of their seat and start to flail on the ground and just literally manifest. And he walk over and look down, and just go bye-bye. And that's all he would say. Bye-bye. And when he'd say bye-bye, the demon would have to go straight out of the person. And, and Evangelist Kofi was telling me he was watching this. And then another guy would manifest and he'd go over, bye-bye. And at the end, the guy said to the crowd, he said, did you notice that when the demons were manifesting tonight, that I didn't have to go over there and shout and scream for the demons to come out? And people were acknowledging that. Yeah, you didn't have to shout or scream. He said, you know why I didn't have to shout or scream at the demon for it to come out? He said, I had already done my shouting and screaming in prayer before I got here. So he was teaching 
that if you'll put your effort in, in consecration and dedication, then you won't have to work hard for manifestation. I'm going to say that again, because I need you to get this here before we pray. If you'll put your effort in, in consecration and dedication, then you won't have to put that same effort in for manifestation. Once more, if you'll put your effort in, in consecration and dedication, you won't have to put your effort in for manifestation because what you've done in private, God will reward openly. Hallelujah. Let me read you that verse of scripture before we pray today. Matthew chapter six, Matthew chapter six, uh, Look at this private. In fact, this is the last thing I'll have you write in the comments today. Private dedication brings public rewards. Private dedication brings public rewards. Listen to this now. Matthew chapter six, verses five and six. I love you, Tyler. And when you pray, You must not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. All right, now let's go to the other side. Verse six, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. Now here's the, here's the blessing. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And one translation said openly, glory to God will reward you openly. Mm-hmm. Cause when God rewards you, you'll know you've been rewarded. It's not like some man giving you a little blessing. When God rewards you, you'll know you've been rewarded. You see it. That's right, Kathy. If you'll put your effort into consecration and dedication, you won't have to put much effort into manifestation because God's already just manifesting in, in, in public spaces and public places what you have pressed in for in secret places, in private places. If you'll press in in private, God will reward you openly. And see, we set these systems so that we're not doing it to be seen by men, you know? And by the way, we've got a fast coming up January the 2nd through the 22nd. And people always ask a question. I put it in the uh, frequently asked questions of the book we released last year. That's Matthew six, five and six, Ava. But people ask me, they said, well, you know, if we're fasting, I've always heard we're not supposed to tell people we're fasting. Well, if you're fasting by yourself privately, yes, that's the case. You don't broadcast your fasting, but you know, when everybody else in the victory tribe is on the fast with you, we all know that we're fasting. So, you know, if we talk about the fast or if we're discussing it or whatever, we all know that we are all fasting. So it's not, I mean, I've seen people get so awkward about it. They feel like they got to lie so that they don't ever reveal to somebody that they're on a fast. Um, can you come over for dinner next week? No, I can't. How come you can't come? Oh, uh, and then they have to come up with some story and just says, hey, I'm, I'm spending right now fasting and praying. 
You don't lose your reward. That's not what the Bible is talking about in this passage when it says that they, they have their reward. They've lost their spiritual reward. That's when people are boasting about their prayer, boasting about their dedication, boasting about their fasting. You know, that's a different story. That's pride. Rather than, you know, just saying, I can't come for dinner. I'm in the time of fasting and prayer. It's different. But understand something. It's this It's these systems that will keep us in a place of dedication. We don't just reject it, though that's the first step. Number two, we have to pursue the anointing. But number three, set a system in place. And if you don't like where you are currently, change it. What what am I talking about? You don't like where you're at in some area? You don't like where you're at in your joy? Then you gotta get into the word of God, find what stirs joy. I wrote a whole book on it, it's called Praise, Laugh, Repeat, Living in the Power of Overwhelming Joy. I give you different avenues from scripture on how to step into joy. If you don't like where your family's at, if you don't like where your body's at, if you don't like where your finances are at, take steps to change it. Because God promised you blessing. God promised you supernatural blessing. And so you take steps to change it. You don't like where you're at? Change it. the key. And so what are we doing? We're pressing in. We're not pressing in publicly. We press in privately. We pray, we fast, we study God's word. We go after the anointing. And as we do what God sees us do in private, the Bible says he'll reward openly. He'll reward openly. Hey, Donald's back. Show him the way out, Tiff. God bless you, Donald. We'll never see you again. And so you have to make up your mind. I'm not going to just take whatever the devil's dishing out. I'm not just going to take whatever this generation's dishing out. If I don't like the way the spirit of this world is doing things, which I don't, I stand totally against it. I'm not receiving it. And I'm not going to let anybody make me feel like I should have to go through those things. That's where people get into problems. Oh, I guess you think you're better than everybody in America. No, it's just that I serve a God that puts me head and shoulders about above what's going on in the natural realm. That's what I think. That's what I think. And that's how you have to be. And don't apologize for the blessing of God. Don't apologize for the blessing of God. Ever. Now I'm praying for you because here's, here's the deal. We're not going to be uh, left behind while everybody else that's faithful is moving forward. I'm not going to be left behind while everybody else is being promoted. Everybody else is being uh, uh, elevated in God's purpose for their, I'm not doing that. You're not doing that. We're moving forward. Yeah, I know Janine. That's how they, people get that way because they get all bent out of shape because you feel like, uh, they think you feel like you're somehow holier than everybody or that you're better than it's not about me being better it's that i serve a god who is far better than the god of this world which is satan that carries all authority he carries all power that's in his hand satan's been stripped christ has all authority and he's given it to us so how am i supposed to live same as everybody else i don't think so i don't think so not living that way i refuse to so i'm praying for you today there's a fire raising coming up in your belly get ready We're getting hungry like we've never been hungry. We're getting hungry like we've never been hungry. We're going where we've never gone. We will hold what we've never held in Jesus' name. 
This year of 2022, divine possession. Get ready for it. Get ready to have what you've never had. Do what you've never done. Go where you've never gone. We've not been this way before. We've not been this way before. Let me pray. Father, I'm praying now for every Victory Tribe member, those that are listening, those watching. And today, we declare this. Lord, we vow to you. Now listen, don't you do this if you're not serious about it. It's better to not vow than it is to vow and not fulfill your vows, the Bible Bible says. But if you are standing with me on this, then join your faith. Lord, we vow today to seek your face like we never have in the previous years of our Christianity. We vow to go to another level in our dedication, consecration. Lord, we vow to stand with hungry, expectant hearts and press into your anointing and pursue your presence in these final moments of time. We are those that could be considered the remnant whose hearts will not grow cold. We will not fall away from the faith, but Lord, we have a desire to be used by you, by your presence, to see souls saved, to see people healed and changed by the power of God. Lord, we desire to be used by your presence. Lord, we want to see our generation changed before Jesus comes back. Use us mightily. I pray, Lord, that you would raise men and women up as pillars of generosity. They have such a heart to sow and to give. They have a, such a heart to be a blessing to their church, their generation, their, those that are in need. Lord, raise them up. Bless them so abundantly that it makes the wicked angry. Bless their families so abundantly that it makes people's heads spin to see where God, where you've brought them to in such a short period of time in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you for that. Now, Lord, don't let this year come to an end without us seeing wonders. And as we cross over, we thank you that we're crossing over in full momentum, expectant for what you're about to release to us. Don't let us have to wait, Lord, to get to June or March of 2022 before we take off in the anointing. But Lord, the moment we cross over on January 1, let us be running at full speed ahead. Show us things to do that we've never done. Give us instructions we've never had. And we'll be your faithful children and servants that will do what you've asked us to do in the wonderful name of Jesus. We thank you for that. We give you all the praise and the glory. Now, Lord, I pray for those that have written in, that have needs, that are struggling in their bodies, struggling in their minds. Those prayer requests that we continually get daily, I lift them up today and declare that whatever enemy was sent against God's people, Lord, we're asking you, destroy every one of those attacks. Move every one of those obstacles out of their way. Let this be a new season of manifestation in their life. Healing, joy, peace, deliverance from addiction. Lord, we thank you. Marriage is being restored. Let it be a miracle season as we get ready to cross over. In Jesus' wonderful name. If you believe it, shout aloud, amen. Throw some fire up, throw some hands up. If you know it's coming to pass quickly, in Jesus' name. Have you yet heard what the Lord wants you to do before the year is out? We're setting our faith to sow a seed like we've never sown before. And I've challenged you. Carol and I are doing the same. People are jumping on board. Why? We're setting ourselves in position for this upcoming year financially. I'm not going to miss it. You're not going to miss it in Jesus mighty name. And so I want to challenge you. What is the Lord speaking to you to sow? And you, you can see it on the screen there, miracleword.com. 
You can go there and all the ways to give are there on the website, but ask yourself, what's going to move God's hand in my life? What is going to provoke God's blessing in my life? It's not going to be something small from the past that you've done again and again and again. It's going to be something the Holy Spirit tells you that will take faith to accomplish. You'll step out to do what you've never done. Amen, Constance. Your bones are strong in Jesus' name. I'm believing with you. Total, total turnaround. And so I want to encourage you. Maybe the Lord is speaking to you before the year's out to sow a $1,000 seed. You've never done that before. Step out and do it. Maybe the Lord's speaking to you before the year's out to sow a $10,000 seed, $5,000. You've never stepped up at that level. It's time now. What is going to provoke God's hand before the year is out? What's going to set us up for 2022 in a way we've never been set? Maybe you're that person that's sown $10,000 and you've done it multiple times, but you've never stepped up at that $25,000 mark to sow a seed that means something to you. Do what the Lord is telling you to do. That's the only way to walk into his blessing. As Mary, the mother of Jesus said at the wedding, whatever he says to you, that's the, that's Jesus in our case is the Holy spirit. Whatever he says to you, do it. That right there is how to remain blessed for the rest of your life. Whatever he says unto you, do it in Jesus name. And so we say, thank you to everybody that's sowing seeds, but we're believing with you that your financial outcome is going to be totally different in 2022. Now here's where it gets supernatural. When 2020 and 2021 were the best years you've ever seen. And you're like, can anything top this? That's where we're at. But I'm gonna tell you, it's going to top it in Jesus name. It's not going to be by a little either. (laughs) I still, if you didn't hear our testimony, made me laugh that the accountant called when we filed the taxes for the ministry and thought it was a typo. It's like, is this really right? It's really right. We more than doubled during the pandemic. That's it's really true. It's not a typo. And they couldn't believe it. Well, you know what? Get ready for that to be your story in Jesus name. Get ready for that to be your story. Might've been your best years ever. It's getting ready to get better because of your faithfulness to the word of God. Amen, Ava. And so, uh, for this month of December, We've got a powerful book by Pastor Mark Hankins that we want to put in your hands called Faith Opens the Door to the Supernatural. Love, Pastor Mark. This is our gift to you for the month of December for standing with us and believing God as we partner together to do the work of Christ. This is what we're going to put in your hands. And then for those of you that are sowing $1,000 or more, we're going to include with that a genuine leather life application study Bible. I'll sign it to you. And then also, for those that sow $5,000 or more, we have put something together called the Elite Study Collection. And uh, I believe it's the best resources and tools that a spirit-filled believer could have to study the Word. Over 100,000 notes on Scripture in the materials that we're sending you. It'll help you learn how to study the Bible more effectively and get more out of your uh, study time. Again, there's no 2 o'clock. Um... <laughs> Donald's back with a new screen name. <laughs> God bless you, Donald. Goodbye. Um, <laughs> you have you have to you have to give it you have to give him credit for his ingenuity. Um, there's no two o'clock broadcast today, and uh, also don't forget new kids of new kids. <laughs> 
Oh, man. New kids today. New, <laughs> new last gen yesterday. And uh, the Christmas party was last. If you missed it, you can watch it again. It's still up on the YouTube page, right? We still get it up on YouTube, Tiff? The Christmas party? Yeah. <laughs> People can't stand the message. People can't stand the message of faith. They can't stand it. They can't stand it. Um, <laughs> he must read the Passion Translation. Anyway. <laughs> oh, man. It's going to be a great day. I love you guys so very much. Um, back live with you in the morning tomorrow. Back live on Friday. Uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm telling you, expect the best before the year comes to an end. Expect wonders before the year comes to an end. And um, I can't tell you how much I love you and appreciate you. Victory Tribe's the best. Have a powerful day, and I'll see you again in the morning. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.